both of you, world-class championship professionals. That's how I expect you to act in this ring. on the chin, Brittany Johnson. How are you? This is Dropping Dimes, everybody, with your host, Brittany Johnson. I'm great. I mean, I'm loving this intro. This is the best intro we've had, you know, out of all the podcasts that we've done. Hands down. Nice job. It's that West Coast. That West Coast, baby. Hey. All right, Sasha. So we're gonna break this down, or what? McGregor Mayweather fight. The we're gonna heist kick it off is what Mr. Mayweather was calling it. That's why he wore that robber's mask. You Ma- didn't like the mask? I loved the mask, but once I watched the match and found out what was going on, I got very concerned for soccer or boxing. <laughs> Hey, yo. Hold up! I was yes, like, <laughs> I was like, I know I watched it bootleg, but uh, <laughs> did I miss something there? <laughs> uh, before we even get into it, shout out to everybody on Twitter that had that bootleg live stream for your girl to watch. <laughs> Dude, did you see how bad it was? So here's what was going on: there was someone sitting at the table, and for those of you who don't know, with MMA and boxing, there's um, a clean feed and a dirty feed. So there's TVs of the live broadcast that are going around for the different announcers around the world. Someone had their iPad uh, filming, periscoping live of that feed. Well, Someone's going to jail. The feed that I was watching, it was somebody in their house. And a lot of people, that's how they were, no, that's how a lot of the, (laughs) that's how a lot of the feeds were going down. But see, I was on to something because I told my homegirl, I was like, look, you're going to somebody's house to watch the fight. Do me a favor and FaceTime me while you're there. Just put your phone up by the TV. So I was on to something. So then when I started doing the hashtags for the fight, it was like Mayweather McGregor, McGregor live stream. And I was like, what? And I clicked on it and people just had their phone in front of their TV trying to get their Twitter followers up. So I was like, follow, follow, follow. Thanks for the fight. For it, free. It was so interesting. I was working the Real Salt Lake game, and as soon as the match ended, both teams went into their locker room, and none of them left. The visiting team didn't go to the bus <laughs> until the fight was over, and the RSL cats didn't go party until the fight was over. Hey, they should have uh, had it like me. I was on the move. I was mm. watching because uh, I was at work, and then uh, I was just walking everywhere, and I was like, guys, I have the fight for free. I have it for free. So I was 
sharing it with everyone. I tweeted it to my dad, my brother. I was like, <laughs> yo, this is for the low. <laughs> this is for the low. Not even for the low. It's for the free. Absolute free. And it was in HD. <laughs> that <Wow>. was dope. <laughs> so, I so mean, what you think? I thought for what it was, it, it, it was a good fight. I thought it was a good fight. And I knew that Mayweather, here we go. McGregor, he was in a win-win situation mm. to me um, because nobody thought that you could last this long. Nobody thought that McGregor was going to last 10 rounds. Um, you lasted 10 rounds. To me, even if you didn't, you, you still would have won. Uh, you put up a great fight. You came out swinging. You did what Floyd Mayweather wanted you to do, though, because, I mean, UFC rounds, boxing rounds, they're completely different. So Mayweather just let McGregor tire himself out. McGregor won those first three rounds. Mayweather showed up in the fourth and took it from there. I don't think grown men should be able to talk like that and get saved by a referee because that man would have been killed in the ring. Mayweather didn't even, wasn't even sweating when he climbed those ropes and did his post-conference in the ring. So you're saying that the ref shouldn't have called the fight right then? Or I think from a moral point of view and for the, the health of McGregor, he had to. But when a grown man talks to another grown man like the way he did around the world with millions of people watching. You're talking watching, about the way McGregor talked to Mayweather? Yeah. That man should not have been able to not catch that whooping that he deserved and rightfully said. And even in his f- post-fight loss, listen to this, Brittany. It, it's it's uh, His arrogance is still stunning. I, well, his, pow- his speed, his power, his skill was okay. Shut up. I wasn't, bl- I wasn't, is this the best boxer ever? You know what I mean? I felt handy the first rounds, the first early rounds. Um, I Shut up. Composure is what won in the fight. And fair play to him. And in the early rounds, you saw that he couldn't touch me. I did, like I have not. I don't lose the early rounds ever. It's just Hold on, that's because it was a design. <laughs> it was the old rope dope that Muhammad Ali made famous. He let McGregor tire himself. That's out. what I'm saying. Okay, let's listen to Mr. Moore of this guy. The moment where it's like I can't see the final line, and I'm like I see a big hill, and I have this little dip in energy. And he capitalized on that dip. I think if the ref had let it go and had it got to that, similar to the Diaz, Diaz 2 fight, I have that moment. But I Let it go to what? Till you catch that fade and drop out and can't get back up? See, it, what happened, and no one is really talking about, he took a straight jab yeah. in the ninth round that wobbled his legs. His body didn't become, un, become tired until his brainstem almost died. Yeah, you never know. He... Yeah. He could have had a concussion right then and there. The ref, to me, he doesn't know because McGregor looked like he was in a different state of mind. He just did. When he, he looked like out. he was about to die. I mean, he was gone. He <laughs> I was wouldn't gone. go that far that he was about to die, but I, it looked like... There was a detachment from that man's <laughs> legs in his brain. <laughs> he was on a different He was planet. on his deathbed. <laughs> yes. That's what she's saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would have given that another three minutes for the greatest boxer on the planet? I yeah. think the fans, including you... Wanted it to go another three minutes just to I see him to go, get knocked out. I wanted out. to go 20 rounds. <laughs> just so he could get knocked out. Who was Floyd going to fight in 20 rounds? He can't even Take Floyd. on his whole business department. <laughs> Floyd can't even last 20 rounds. Floyd's got to hang it up and call it quits. Like, because if Floyd was fighting 
an actual boxer, a younger boxer, you know, somebody McGregor's age, he would he would have been done. Floyd didn't look like Floyd in this. And that's because he took two years off in retirement, his age, but He's he he as he said, he has brittle hands. He couldn't yeah. train the last month. I mean that kid's broken his hands on probably thirty five different faces. Is that that's probably a fair assessment. Every fight he's breaking his knuckle. Yeah, but still, even even if he had even if his hands were straight, even if his hands were in good condition, Floyd he 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 was a little slower than he normally is. I know I know he's a little he's not the fast well, no, he has quick feet. But the thing is, Floyd he just wasn't the Floyd that we've seen in the past. And a younger fighter boxer would have beaten Floyd Mayweather on that night. That's why he called this the heist and wore so, that mask. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, McGregor, to me, he looked good, though. I mean, he was he landed a couple clean punches. Um, he looked better than I expected. He didn't look very smart in that ring. Like, he was always trying to take the kids back or the grown man's back, and he he uh, didn't know how to break from the clutch. I don't. He wasn't trained properly, and most boxing fights are signed a year in advance. And these for these big time matches, this was a three month out thing. So, pretty brave of him to do this. Like, yeah. Let's listen to this but, last twenty five seconds real quick. Make sure you listen to the last word that he says. And then I get the second win, and I go again. I think if I saw the the end of the tenth round, I could have came in back in the eleventh and the twelfth, and that was kind of the picture inspiring as well in the lead up to it. I had these middle to, middle to late rounds, these middle to late rounds where I was like dipping. But then I'd come back. But he, fair play to him. Didn't let me come back, capitalize, and I kept coming forward. He fought a very different fight than he's used to. He fought more like a Mexican, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yes, ma'am. There's a, there's a lot of things that McGregor says that I don't agree with. And it's not just him. It, it can be other people, too, referring to people as boy referring to Mayweather as a monkey. You're not going to hear an American white man call a black man boy. And the thing is Stephen A Smith, we're not I don't want to get into mm. it, you know, too much right now, but Stephen A Smith uh, you know, got into it got into that kind of discussion on first take a while back ago and they asked him about that, you know, and uh it it wasn't the monkey comment, it was the the boy comment. And he was just like coming from somebody else I would take offense, but from a McGregor, th- he refers to everyone as boy, everyone, and that's just how he talks. So I don't know. I really don't know. McGregor made some outlandish comments, you know, that I really don't agree with. I wonder if there's a sympathy there because of the struggles of Ireland with the IRA and the civil war that they've gone through and the persecution over the last four or 500 years by the England church and there might be more of an acceptability because of the the struggle that the two cultures share. I don't know. I don't know, but homeboy, maybe it should have went a couple more rounds. <laughs> Calling me a monkey, you gonna get he, wait, knocked he out. He called him a monkey. Yeah, during the uh, I during didn't one hear of the that things. part. Yeah, like, nah, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. Yeah, that that's not cool. Yeah. So McGregor, you better be lucky. I wasn't in the ring. <sighs> I would have knocked you out with a chair or something. But from an overall perspective, how did you enjoy the fight? I just like watching Floyd Mayweather fight. I've always really enjoyed it, and I've always watched 
McGregor in the UFC, I thought it was a bit of a spectacle. I thought it was kind of built on ego and narcissism more than the way boxing and UFC is kind of designed where it's more of, you know, this is more about work and the art form, yada, yada, yada. But I'd watch it again. I know there's not going to be a fight number two, but I'd watch it again. I can't wait until the DVD comes out and you get the behind the scenes and that full experience with the great camera work. Well, this, I didn't tune into the bootleg version um, in time. Who walked out with Floyd Mayweather? (laughs) I didn't tune in in time. It wasn't Bieber. I know it wasn't Justin Bieber. (laughs) Justin Bieber's trying to get his life together right now. Uh, So I don't know what that's all about. That, That could be publicity too. But I mean, Floyd, you got your fifty and zero. That's it. You're, you're done, done. I don't need to see you fight again because that could be the one where you're fifty and one. We still gotta deal with him uh, flashing cash though for the next fifty years on Instagram. Don't flash that around me. <laughs> <laughs> don't flash it around me. Where's that mask? <laughs> he did. He looked like he was straight out of Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Floyd, where are you at? I just, I mean, can I get a scholarship? Can I be on scholarship? Dude, he is now, uh, I read somewhere that uh, this fight alone put him in the billionaire sports club. Good for him. He's probably been the hardest working athlete in this country for the last 25 years. The hardest? Mm -hmm. Or one of the hardest? The hardest. I think... I think the top five boxers are the best athletes in the world. They train every day. Their discipline is unparalleled. Boxing is a brutal game to get into. And you can't take days off. You can't take months off. You can't take weeks off. There's no off season. You're constantly grinding for those three, four fights a year. There is an off season. May- Mayweather was out yeah, doing prison. A- <laughs> no, May- May- there is an off season. Mayweather's doing Jimmy Kimmel and late night shows. Yeah, but and- that's to massage his ego. That's- and riding horses. And <laughs> there's an off season. But you know what? I not bet when you- it comes to diet and not when it comes to stretching yeah. and these core things that you have to do. I bet you LeBron would not agree with that statement. I bet he doesn't agree with a whole lot that's going on. You. LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of LeBron James, we're going to transition here uh, to the trade, the possible trade between the Cavs and the Boston Celtics. Have you been following what's going on? Yeah, I've been baffled by it. So if you guys have been lost in the sauce, here we go. The trade last week between the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, sent guards Kyrie Irving of the Cavs to the Celtics and Isaiah Thomas of the Celtics to the Cavs, except, uh-oh, Isaiah Thomas, he may be hurt, his hip, He's they're saying they found something in his physical uh, to where he has a hurt hip, and the Cavs don't like it. They don't know if he's going to be ready for the season. The Cavs are like, hold up, hold up, hold up. We don't want this trade to they go They just through. realized they traded Kyrie Irving is what yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they woke up and realized they, they yeah, traded Kyrie. Yeah, we just Kyrie. traded the best point yeah. guard in the league. Yeah. So now, basically, what it boils down to is, first of all, before we even get there, the everyone knew that Isaiah Thomas hurt his hip. This, this shouldn't have been a surprise to the Cavs, and now they're acting like it's a surprise. But anyway... 
they everyone involved in the trade has until uh, this Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time to uh, pass a physical. Both teams can agree to extend that deadline. You know, they have to both agree to that. But the big question here is, should this trade be blocked? And we're going to listen to what Jamel Hill um, on the 6th from ESPN has to say about it. Jamel, who blinks first here? No, they shouldn't amend the deal at all. I'm wondering if this is one of those situations where both of them have gone so far down this road that neither one of them can afford to turn back, as in who has more pressure to make this deal. I think they both do in their own unique ways. Given what the fan reaction was to Isaiah Thomas being traded, a lot of fans were really upset, and especially with everything he gave them last season, obviously the tragic passing of his sister, to trade that kind of guy and try to bring him back, that's just awkward for everybody, much like it would be on the other side with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. They've both gone too far. Make the deal. I don't think there's equal incentive to consummate this trade. And I'm the same person that said that the Cavs didn't have to do anything this year, given Kyrie Irving has two years and then an option on his deal. They could bring him back, make him be a big boy, and get along nicely with LeBron James, and then revisit if and when LeBron walks next year and trade Kyrie with one year and an option left on his contract. That said... Cleveland had better call up. Kobe Altman did a great job with this trade. You call up Danny Ainge, and you assume that Chris Rock told, hey, excuse me, I wasn't wondering. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> excuse your white coat. Who wears white on television? Yuck. Oh, if I were in that newsroom, oh, oh buddy. The, the dudes, the cameramen coming out, don't wear white. Don't wear white on TV. <laughs> it looks awful. Anyway, hey, black people look nice and white. That's what Not my mama says. Not on a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're not color chain correcting. No. Wrong. Yeah, I wore white one time and I asked the dude, I was like, "Why do I look like that on camera?" He was like, "I was you wore white. I was trying to fix the camera, okay? Don't wear white." Anyway, going back to this I'm shocked. I'm, I'm not shocked because both of these organizations are divas and they're <laughs> full of it and neither of them are going to win a championship. So do what you do and catch it on the chin by the Golden State Warriors 4-0 in the finals. Yo, so if I was Isaiah Thomas, I'd be pissed. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, you you guys don't want me here. So, so you guys want to trade me. But then, and then after that, he all the fans basketball. are, I know, all the fans are burning his jersey after he gave you guys playoff games after the tragic loss of his sister. Are they idiots? Like, are these fans stupid? You, you've yeah, got to be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to <laughs> be stupid. Like, understand the sport really quick. The man did not ask to leave Boston. He didn't have a choice. He was, he's being forced out. He's being traded. All he wanted was the home, yeah, right? Isn't so, that his whole dialogue? Yeah. So before you, before you start burning jerseys, which I wouldn't do because they cost too much money and I, I ain't got to like that. But if you're going <laughs> to burn jerseys, don't burn one where somebody gets traded and gave you games and gave you his time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears after his sister died. That's just awful. That's crazy. And if I was Isaiah Thomas, I'd demand to be traded to the Lakers. <laughs> what, what? No. What, <laughs> are you going to put Lonzo Ball? Not even trade. Just give him to the Lakers. I would just demand 
I don't want to be here anymore because I don't want to give up anyone from the Lakers. So I, yeah, if with I was Ingram like, and Ball, yeah, I don't even know. He's too good. Him. If I was Isaiah Thomas, I would say, him. I'm going to the Lakers. My bags are packed. <laughs> you guys aren't getting anything in return. See ya. What do you think? I think you're on a different planet, Brittany Johnson. <laughs> so, so that can't happen? <laughs> That's not going to happen? No. <laughs> <laughs> if I was the in charge. The Jazz have a better shot at getting Isaiah <laughs> Listen, Thomas. Listen, if I was running things in the NBA, that's how I would do it. I'd be like, Isaiah Thomas, come on, bro. All right. All right, Miss Stern. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You would have fit in nicely under his regime. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we're going to do it. What do you, do you think? So did you see all the tweets that LeBron was putting up? Yeah, his uh, four tweets he did. Yeah. So. There's a lot of talk going on. LeBron is just saying that. What are you going to do when he's a Laker? So you can set. That's the thing. Everybody's like, he's setting the stage to get the fans ready for his next move. Such an arrogant (laughs) child. You know what? LeBron is growing on me. Yeah. He's growing on me. I'm sure he is. You know. I, I mean, can't wait till he's a Laker next year when we bring in the great Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune and you confess to him that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player in the last 25 years. Next topic. <laughs> Serious face on. Next topic. <laughs> that is not going to happen. I will never say that LeBron James mm. is better. Just like, oh, uh, what screenshot did you send me the other day? What did you send me? Hold on. Let me look this up because it was actually pretty funny. You sent me this screenshot from Andy Gold. Yeah, comedian Andy Gold, member yeah. of uh, UtahPodcastNetwork.com. Yeah. Mm. It reads, I don't care if the number two things cause this post to get zero likes. I don't even care if I lose friends over it. It's how I feel, and it's one of the most <laughs> important things to me. Okay, here it goes. If you sincerely believe Kobe Bryant was a better basketball player than LeBron James, I can categorically say that you're on the same intellectual level as 9-11 truthers and the same moral level as other stuff. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, Andy, I'm trying to keep it clean don't here. Don't call him out. I'm don't trying you to dare. keep it he clean. Will, he will. Yo, I, don't, I do not care. Andy, we will podcast together and I will eat you alive. Oof. I want I'll it. Make sure where's, he gets An- this. where's Andy? I'm gonna save all my trash talk for him. Oof. Just know, Andy, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. All right, next week uh, we will make sure that Andy Gold calls in. And uh, you no, I want a face to face. Good luck with that, ma'am. <laughs> Andy, <laughs> where you, you at? Wish for in where, this life. where you at, Andy? I'm calling you out. Ooh. Can't wait to post this on Facebook tomorrow. (laughs) Anyway, moving on, Sasha, what's next? So it seems that most of America is trying to rally behind what's going on in Texas with the hurricane, the massive flooding in the South, particularly in Houston. I don't think that there's a person in this country that doesn't feel some sort of pity for the human beings and animals in that region. Would you, is that fair? That's fair. Okay. So what's been going on in the sports world is Rice University, who plays in Houston, the University of Houston, other professional teams in Houston, like their soccer team, have all been making arrangements with other colleges and other major league sport teams to play their games in their venue, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so the Houston Astros, who are the second best baseball team in the country behind the Dodgers from a wins and loss point of view, they're up by like 14 or 15 on in the West. Mm-hmm. They're, they're killing it. Yep. They have... Los Doyers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they have all the potential of making a deep playoff run and possibly bringing home a championship, which would be a beautiful story given the tragedies that are going on. So this weekend, they're supposed to play the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are like a game or two under 500. They're not going to make the playoffs most likely. And so Houston says, hey, since we're playing you, can we um, go up there? Because they're supposed to come to Houston and play. Mm -hmm. And the Astros are... Like, yeah, we'll just switch. You know, you guys are coming at the end of the year. We'll just switch these. And the Rangers are like, no, you can come up here. We'll let you be the home team. We'll give you all the profits to the gate, and you can do whatever you want with it. And we'll even donate charities and do everything we can to help out the community. When you guys are supposed to come back in September, you're coming back. Because we're spending four of the the last five road uh, series on the road, and we're not spending the last last five series on the road. Do you think it's fair for what the Rangers are doing? Do I think it's fair to ask for them to ask the Dodgers to come? For the Astros to come. Yeah. Um No, no, for the for the Astros to come but not return the favor and go back and play that no flip yeah. series. From a business standpoint, no. It's not fair. But How about a moral standpoint? But from a that that's the second thing. From a moral standpoint, they have a right to ask that. This whole situation, because they're not the only team that's affected by this. I mean, like you said, multiple teams are affected by this, and it sucks because to me, it's like, are we thinking baseball here or are we thinking families and moral and everything like that? You've got at the Astros right now, you know, they're half the team, their homes are flooded. So right now they're on the road. They're, they're fam- going to be playing they're, in yeah, Florida. I yeah, think. right now. Yeah, so right now they're on the road, and they're they even have some of the players have their families with them on the road because they don't have homes to go back to. So I don't even think they should be concerned with baseball right now. But to their me, first place. But still, it's like that's the thing it's a business business comes first and then so do you suspend the league over this is this something that's worthy of closing down the entire major league baseball for three weeks and maybe do a giant pr campaign and get all these strong athletes down uh when the rains go away and start bucketing it out i think so something like that because it's just like how are you supposed to do you delay how how are you supposed to focus on the game You're, you're you're going out to play a game at the end of the day and you don't have a home to go back to. You're seeing images of devastation. Your home city, you're seeing images while you're away of the devastation, and there's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing. So uh, to go back to your question, I really don't know. It, it all depends on how you're thinking, business or moral. I don't know. So I found some quotes from the Astros manager, A.J. Hinch, and outfielder, George Springer, and then a DH catcher, Brian McCann. They kind of bring a little bit of insight. The audio is a little fuzzy. I couldn't clean it up, but that's what happens when you have mediocre journalists out there trying to be professionals. We've got a lot of family and friends that are back home, and 
really sad to watch the the, the scenes and see the news and look at what's going on, but it's a pretty empty feeling of being away. It's scary, you know. It's 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 obviously tough for us to you know to, to be out here where it's. 80 degrees of blue sky, and, and you know, there's, there's there's a lot of people back home that are in some some serious uh, jeopardy, and, and uh, you know we hope that, that that a lot of people stay safe. It's tough. I mean, it really is tough. I mean, um, our thoughts and prayers are with the, the people in the city of Houston. I mean, it's uh, this is this is not good. I mean, you, you see pictures. Of, uh, it's devastating. It's, uh, I've hated the Astros my entire life. I think they're, and it's strictly because of their uniforms. It started with their uniforms, and that they have the worst uniforms I in the history. Like uniforms. Google. <laughs> I, I liked them. You're talking about with the stripes this way. That those uniforms. Oh yeah, like the '80s and yeah, '90s. Yeah, Nolan Ryan uniforms. Yeah, I love those. You didn't like them? No. You have no taste. You don't have style. Jesus. All the women in the they place have... was style and grace. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Continue. For 10, 15 years, they had a hill in their outfield where the center fielder would have to run up a hill to make a catch. Well, you better run. <laughs> run? I mean, shoot. I wouldn't be complaining. I'm in the uh, major leagues. I'm getting all that, all the money I'm getting. I'll run. I'll. I don't care if I got to run up a hill. You know, I know that we're going to be talking bees baseball here in a little bit, but for thirty or forty years, the Astros were very close to a Triple A baseball team. Hate the Astros, and but but with that said, because of what's going on, I think it'd be awesome if they raised a championship this year in October. See, here's the thing. Because I'm a Dodgers fan. But I feel for the Astros. But are we going to say that with every other team? They're not the only team that's affected by this. And I, I'm not saying this in a... I hope it's not coming off in a bad way. Yeah. Um. But in sports... It's good for the A's, sport, right? Yeah, in sports... <laughs> Sasha... You might catch a couple you're, games on them Sasha, now. Sasha, you're, you're making me seem like, a, like I'm a yeah. meanie. Uh. All right, so... In sports, everyone loves the comeback story. Everyone loves the, you know, the struggle story, right? Everyone loves that. Like, so this would be big if the Astros would win this year. This would be huge. And it would do, to me, it would do a lot for the city. Make the National League real mad, too. Yeah, it would do It would do a lot for the city. Because one of the things that they were saying, uh, some of the players were uh, quoted to ESPN saying that, uh, you know, in their DMs on Twitter or their notifications, people in Houston are telling them to play, mm. win, go out there and win and do it for the city and play for us. But at the same time, I, I get it. I get that. Like, you know, morale is low. Uh, that could be a distraction for people to get their minds off of kind of what's going on. But at the same time, if my home is flooded, I have nowhere for my kids to go. I have no food, no water, no shelter. I'm not turning to baseball for a distraction. Mm. I think we we should all, everyone in the league, the, the league should just take a stance. Do you know how dope that would be? That has never been done before. To, in my, Oh, I'd love to see know, it. Just them close it down recent, for three weeks. Yeah, in, 
It's to my knowledge, it hasn't been done. It would screw everything. But I don't know do if know, they could finish the season with just planning hotels and with airplane tickets. But how dope and, would that be for everyone to come together and help out Houston right now to say, "Hey, baseball, yeah, it's a big deal, but we got to put that aside right now. We're going to put that aside and focus on something that's even greater." That would be dope to me because the Astros are not the only team affected by this. They're not. So we're talking Astros right now, but BYU LSU, they had to move their game to New Orleans. Man, the BYU Cougar board's been up on that one. I mean, you know. Shame on you guys. <laughs> so they're not the only the only team affected by this. You have multiple teams. Think of the the colleges in Houston, your community colleges that are playing sports, your pro teams. They're, you know, it's not just your major league teams that are affected by this. There are a ton of people affected. So that to me, that would be dope if everybody took a stance and said, hey, we know we've got games. We know we're going to screw up everything here. Let's pause for a second and really help out the people in need. To me, playing this next game is not going to be a distraction for someone to say, hey, just go out there and do it for the city, bro. Put on for the city. When? That's going to keep us going. There's kids out there that can't eat. There's people out there that are dying. It to me, it'd be dope if made if you know MLB just took a stance and was like, "We're gonna chill out on this for a second. Let's regroup, get our stuff together, make sure everybody's okay, and we'll move on after there." Yeah, it's gonna be weird what happens. If you ever want to see a great documentary, it's still on uh, on demand on HBO. It's uh, the Spike Lee joint uh, Requiem of Four Dreams when the levee broke or something like that. It's going to get real bad in Houston yeah. for a long time. Yeah. I mean, mm. I don't know. I was just in. Good thing it's an oil town because there's a lot of money in there. Well, where's the money going? It ain't going to go to the humans that need it. But where, where, Where's the money at right now? Um, you know, it's just. I don't know. It's just sad seeing seeing images. I have friends out there. Everyone knows people out there probably. And it's just sad because it's like you, what can you do to help? And one of the stories that I did uh, yesterday was with the Utah Emergency Management. And they were saying, you know, if you want to help, the best thing you can do is donate money right now. Because if you go go down to a legit organization like the Red Cross or something like that, because if you go down there, you're just an added casualty. If you're not there going with a specific group like the Red Cross or a local organization, you're just going to add to the amount of casualties out there. So shout out to everybody, you know, donating and uh, all the celebrities and everything getting behind trying to push and help everybody down there. I don't know. It's just, it breaks my heart to see, you know, everything going on out there. So when we get back, we're going to talk all things Salt Lake City Bees, the AAA affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels, with uh, Craig Williams. Yeah, and I mean, they're going for the playoffs right now. First time since 2013. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about that. A spoiler alert. Brittany might be throwing out a first pitch soon. Nah, player. Go to break. A great base stealer. But today, 
the greatest of all time. Thank you. We are back with Craig Williams, the communications manager for the Salt Lake Bees. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. What's going on? Uh, you tell us. I mean, the Bees making it to the playoffs, maybe, hopefully. Maybe, hopefully. For the first time since 2013. That's right. When does this come out? Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, yeah. So we won't, we won't be decided by that. But yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully when people are listening to this, we're talking about playoffs. That'd be great. I mean, have you been with the Bees since they have uh, been to the playoffs last time? No. So I came in the year after they made the playoffs, and we're um, like 80 games under 500 in my three previous seasons. So a playoff season will be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're, we've been about 20 games under 500 every year I've been there. Are you guys working on anything right now to prepare uh, in case the Bees do make it to the playoffs? Yeah, there's tons of tons of back-end stuff that has to be done because we – we don't know where we're playing yet, and we don't know who will be on the team by the time we get to the playoffs. Um, so there's a lot. Just even just travel logistics is extremely difficult right now as they're trying to figure out. We could be going to Fresno, and that you know that's definitely a plane ride, and that's not an easy city to get into. Could be going to Reno, and maybe it's a bus, maybe it's a flight. Um, and then yeah, the you know the AAA roster changes every single day. Right before we start taping, I just sent a new roster change. So um, by the time September fourth, fifth comes around, we we might have. 10 new guys so it's hard you can't even buy plane tickets yet because you don't know who will be there to to take the plane trip to to wherever you're going so and yeah with it's a one game lead coming into tonight and you know we might not clinch till last day of monday it might be sunday or monday before we know in or out so there's a lot a lot to do and to prepare for on the back end for sure can't you guys like work with the airlines to be like, yo, we're gonna be flying somewhere. Just hold a couple seats for us. You would think <laughs> some blank yeah. names will fill them in later. You would think we take enough plane trips over the course of the year that they'd be like, oh yeah, we we know who you are. But you guys need your own plane. Oh, Solves yeah. everything. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> How can be we make great. that happen? <laughs> You're not. Sasha's paying for it. <laughs> Ticket prices are gonna be up two hundred percent next year to get our own plane. Just don't raise the prices of my hot dogs. Yeah, the yeah. best hot dogs ever. I was actually, uh, what was it? Friday night. Friday night, I went out with a friend. I think it was no Saturday night. Anyway, we were downtown, found this hot dog place, and I was like, "No, dude, th- these hot dogs aren't even it." I was oh, like, totally. "You." I was showing him pictures, and he was like, "Dude, that Polish dog is so long." I was like, "Yes, I ate it all. <laughs> it's the best thing ever." That's what my wife also said. You want to grill some hot dogs? I'm like, no, like I can't. I can't do it. Like I can't at the ballpark. <laughs> like it's, that's not worth the. That's not worth my time to do it at home. It'll be just bad. Are you guys gonna have any special food for the playoffs? Uh, I don't think so. It'll probably be pretty standard. It, we are trying to keep it pretty, pretty basic, just because we don't know where we're going and what we're doing and that kind of stuff. So um, it's gonna be gonna be the basics and then we'll you know after the season goes in we'll start rolling out new food items and it'll be an off season of planning for fun stuff for 2018 so i imagine that more most sports fans in this valley go to a bees game once a year maybe once every two years with their families i doubt it that most sport fans know what the reasoning is for the Salt Lake Bees. Can you explain what the goal of a AAA baseball team is for the primary organization, in this case being the Los Angeles Angels? Yeah. So first off, you're right. Like We, we average about 500,000 fans a year. Yeah. So that makes us the second most attended sport behind the Jazz in Utah. So we more people go to a Bees game than a Real game or a Utah football game wow. or a BYU football game. Um, but 
it's it's a different type of crowd, right? Nobody's following us day to day and living and dying with the wins and losses as much as they are. It's it's more of the fun time out. So anyway, AAA baseball. Um, there's six, seven levels of minor league baseball for major league franchises. Um, AAA is the last level um, before guys get to the major league. So we're the Angels affiliate. We've been the Angels affiliate since 2001, um, and our guys are either young guys coming up. This is their last proving ground before they get to the big leagues. Um, or they're guys with a lot of big league time, and they're coming. They're here as you know, kind of the the injury option. Somebody gets hurt, somebody doesn't play well, and they're on standby. You know, just getting their reps in, so they're ready to go and and warm and ready to go as soon as the Angels need them. So, and there's some lifers too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get you get it. I mean, you get all kinds. So yeah. we've got you know everything from like Eric Young Jr. just went up today, right, uh, to the Angels, and he's got. 600 some some odd major league games several years in the major leagues and he's been up and down with the angels this year we've got a guy like uh michael hermosillo is another outfielder um he's 22 and uh real raw athlete and he's just coming up it's his first trip taste of triple a and so he's just trying to get through it um, we've had guys like Efren navarro a couple years ago probably get so many people know that i mean he was in salt lake from 2011 through 2015 i think and you know, 100 games a year at least, you know, up and down, but mostly in Salt Lake and um, setting career records for Salt Lake, which is the one thing you don't want to ever do in AAA is set, you know, <laughs> franchise records for career. Because you'd rather, you'd rather play, you know, be on the bench in the big leagues and then be, you know, killing it in AAA. But that's kind of the nature of the beast. So it, it's fun. We, we've done uh, like 230 transactions on the roster this year. We've had uh, we'll have two hundred and thirty. Yeah, just about <laughs> just about every day. I send a le- an email into the league um, where one guy comes off the roster and another guy goes on. So guy gets but, called up to the Angels. Guys get sent down to the Angels. Guy goes to Double A. Guy comes up from Double A. You know, almost every single day, the roster is slightly different than the day before. Are there too many baseball players playing baseball? No, what? it's just it's just. Um, I mean, it could be everything from somebody gets hurt with the Angels. They put somebody on the disabled list. They take one of our guys. The Angels, if, if the Angels play extra innings, I can guarantee you if they go 13, 14 innings, that one of our pitchers will, will be gone the next day because they just need a fresh arm. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy a guy has two or three bad outings as a pitcher. He'll come down and try and work some stuff out so he doesn't. he's not doing it at the big league level. A guy, one of our hitters is, you know, just on a tear. They'll call him up and put him in the lineup and try and get, you know, a couple extra runs out of the, out of the lineup. So... It's an everyday thing, and you know, and guys. Get, is that why you guys season. play almost every single day? Yeah. Don't you? 142 games. Yeah. Have 152 days. Yep. Yeah. We take one off day, one two off days a month, um, three for the All Star <laughs> break. So it is like you start. Uh, we start a couple days after the major league season starts, first week of April, and then you basically just go until Labor Day. Like there's not, there's hardly any time to catch your breath. It's a long grind. And these guys are hitting the weights, and they're running, and they're oh, yeah. doing, they're stretching. Yeah. And, because yeah. at the end of the day, not only are they competing for your squad, but their primary dream of being a major yeah. league baseball. Player. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys that's they'll tell you that you know they're not playing just for the bees; they're playing for thirty major league teams. So they want to be shown. You know, I'm hitting really well here, but you know the Angels have Albert Pujols and Mike Trout, so I'm not going to be if I'm a center fielder. I'm probably not replacing Mike Trout if for I the play next for the twelve bees. years. Yeah. yeah. So, but if I'm playing well, maybe somebody you know maybe the Mets want me maybe somebody else wants me and they'll trade for me because they see I'm playing well and they'll have a spot for me so you got to put in that work every day so yeah we I mean they hit batting practice just about every day um, not usually when we travel but you know it's still 80 some odd days a year they're yeah they're in the gym working out hitting weights you know they 
they taper it off as the season goes on just because you start to get tired. But uh, yeah, And these guys don't game. have the same um, food accounts that the major league players have, right? Like it's more of a peanut butter and jelly and apple to work day than yeah. um, filet mignon and lobster, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not major league money. That's that's for yeah. sure. I mean, it's not it's not terrible money, but it's also not yeah, it's not you know three hundred dollar per diem day type of thing. It's it's uh, more you know workmanlike, I guess. You know, is it inspiring to watch these young men play? Oh yeah, that's that's the best part of yeah, my job. I like, is you, um, uh, CJ Crone played at the University of Utah. My first year was his first year with the bees too. So, um, you know, I talked to him. You know, he got a lot of media attention, so I was definitely talking to him all the time. And I see him walking out one day, and he was going to throw out the first pitch for the Utes the next day because um, they were playing it before our game. So I talked to him, made sure he had the time. Um, I come in the next day. The Utes are in, like, the third inning when I get into the office, and they're like, CJ didn't show up for his first pitch. And I was like, that's not like him. And, you know, about an hour later, it's like, oh, he got called up. That's why, like, he's in Anaheim. He took the first flight out to, you know, L.A. this morning. So that's, you know, obviously it's a good excuse for not being there. <laughs> and then he has, like, you, you know, we're watching our game on the field, and then we got the, you know, in the press box, we've got the Angels game on, and he's got, he gets three or four hits that night. And you're like, I talked to that guy yesterday. That's awesome. You know, you see a guy, you talk to him, you know, a couple of days ago, and then he, uh, Carlos Perez, our catcher this year, his first major league game hits a walk-off home run. He's one of three guys to ever hit a walk-off home run in his debut. You're like yeah, mm. that guy's a good guy. I love that. Like it's it's awesome to see guys like you know put in all that work and then go out and succeed at the big league level is is really rewarding. It's one of the best parts of the job. Do any of these guys talk to you about the wear and tear on their body? Like you you're going every single day. Like I thought the NBA was bad. Yeah. This is this is crazy. Yeah, you talk about you know, I don't want to do any back-to-backs. Like, it, it, every yeah. day is a back-to-back for, for, the, for <laughs> the baseball team. The most important thing, I think, over football, over hockey, over NBA, any any sport is the weather that these men play in. Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah, I mean, you're in the deserts, and you're in the country lands of most cities. The, yeah, the Pacific Coast League, like, I mean, Utah weather. It, you start out in April, and it's pouring, and it's cold, and that's terrible for you. You can't, you know, you're cold. You, you get a lot of strain. Your hands and stuff hurt, like that. Yeah. And then, yeah, you get in July and August, and we were, you know, we went to Vegas in, what was it, June or July, and the lowest starting temperature was like 108, yeah. when we, and it was like a 1 o'clock game, and it was 108, so you know it didn't get cooler after 1, you know, yeah. after one o'clock. And that so means you can wild. never have a beer, because all you can do is hydrate. You can't spend your nights <laughs> yeah. doing anything. Yeah, you, you gotta, tear your body up. Yeah, you got to be on it all the time. Or if you're not, then you then you're coming down with a hamstring, t- you know, a hamstring strain and stuff like that, and that's putting you on the DL for a couple weeks, and then you come back slow. And you, you know, the guys can't afford that. They, they you're trying to get to the big leagues. You want to be playing every day. You don't want to be going down with, you know, a minor tweak or something like that. So you're, yeah, you're keep, keep in condition all the time. Uh, back to your question, like it's not something they talk about, especially at this level. Most of the guys are veterans, so they know how to take care of themselves a lot. But, I mean, you see it on guys when they come up and, you know, you, t- you talk they're here. You know, they're reporting to Arizona in, you know, early to mid-March, and they're playing 20 spring training games and working out there, and then they're reporting to us. And then they're, you know, so by, you know, July or August, you can see it on guys. Like, guys start to get tired. Like, that, you, you know, our manager, Keith, does a great job of making sure we don't, you know, we, we don't take batting practice this day or, we you know, we just get everybody a day off. It's not quite as strenuous as the big leagues where, you know, the top players are going to play all but three or four games. You know, we rotate through guys, the DH, and make sure everybody sits down for a couple of days and, you know, can just get their head rack on and get some rest. But it's it's a crazy long season. There's there's no doubt about it. It's a whole different beast than, you know, football and basketball are, you know, 
athletic specimens in their own right, but it's just a whole different a whole different environment, you know. I'm I'm interested to know about the living conditions. How do you guys house these players? What what's going on? Because you have players in and out every single day, sure. day in and night out. What do you guys do for living arrangements? So they they find their own places. Um, you know they'll, they'll stay at the team hotel for a couple weeks. Generally, when they get here, um, and you know some guys they stay there because they know they're only going to be here for a couple weeks and then they're going to be back, so they're not going to try and find a spot. Um, but generally, the first when the first when the starting the opening day lineup comes in, they all go get apartments. We have some contacts with the different apartment places in, around the valley. Um, and they'll three or four guys will take a take an apartment. But, it yeah, guys go in and out of that same apartment all year. I know there was a couple years ago there was – we had one apartment that had four or five guys in it. And um, and I just, they had to talk. They would always come together and stuff. And they were all gone at one point. There was two guys in the Angels. There was a guy on the disabled list and went down to Arizona to rehab. There was a guy that got sent to AA. And so they had, a you know, this big apartment that – just went empty for two or three weeks because there was nobody. They were all gone, which was fine. They, I mean, it was better to be in the big leagues, but it it is, yeah. It, you get new roommates, you change, you know, you, you see guys that are, um, you know, a guy from the Dominican Republic that doesn't speak very much English. It's a young kid coming up, and he's rooming with, you know, this old veteran that you you like, this guy have probably have nothing to talk about, but they need <laughs> to, they, those two need a place to live. And so they hook up and that, you know, becomes a good, it's good for the locker room and stuff. A lot of guys get to talk to people that, you know, may not normally. So it's, it's definitely a, definitely a challenge for the guys for sure. That's, that's definitely uh, one thing too, is the locker room. How mm-hmm. do you build a relationship, you know, with your teammates when everybody's switching in and out? Yeah, and you're and you're competing against the guys you're playing. Hyper competitive atmosphere. Yeah, because you know if you're if you're the starting pitcher, you're you're getting along with the other pitchers. You're talking to the other pitcher, but you want to be pitching better than the guy that pitches the next day because you want when somebody gets hurt, you want to be the guy that they want to call. So, um, it's I think everybody you know it's the the cliche of sports is like it's a business, but I think most of the guys just understand that you know this is what we're doing. We all understand that you know we're all in this game together and stuff like that. So, um. It, but it's it's got to be one of the most challenging things our our coaching staff has to deal with is you got to get guys to play together you got to get guys to keep their head on straight you know guys get called up and they might play well and then the, just the roster construction just happens that they need to be sent back down because there's not a spot for them and they come down and it's like you know what do I got to do and you can't you can't sulk about it for a couple of weeks because that's not going to do you any good so it's it's get, getting guys you know mentally prepared as well as physically prepared is is a huge a huge uh, undertaking for our coaching staff. What's it like when the big superstars come from the Angels to rehab with the AAA team? Because I mean, we've there's been Cy Young players, there's been mm-hmm. multiple MVPs, there's future Hall of Famers that have come and played. Is that a fun experience for these youngsters, or is it like, oh my God, this Linsencombe kid might be taking my job? No, it's 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 totally fun for the for, for these guys. So it's I, fun for like, the whole city, I think. Yeah, like Tim last year. Tim is as nice a guy as you could ever meet in your life. Like, you know, he comes in with a rep, like, you know, a couple times Cy Young winner, a couple times, you know, he's a World Series champion, and you're like, what is this guy going to be like? Is he going to be a big-time guy? Not at all. I mean, he he was giving tips to guys. He was, you know, hey, you know, maybe you should do this. Guys were, you know, coming in, hey, picking his brain. Hey, what would you do in this situation? What pitch would you throw? And he was happy to, to do that stuff. I know he, uh, one of our catchers was a young kid, and he was talking to somebody else about, you know, his catching gear was beat up. 
And a week later, he got a package, and it was Tim bought him all new black and yellow catching gear really? after, after he'd gone up to the Angels. But he caught him once, and so he wanted to take care of him, and he just did that for him. So, um, you know, the I, I don't think I've had a player that's come down from the Angels that has given has been a bad experience. Like um, Houston Street came down this year and was just delightful. Yeah, just great guy. Same thing. Like just and for those who don't know, out. at one point he when he was coming out of college, I think it. Was it Texas? He was mm-hmm. considered the best prospect in the world. Yeah, and he's been a you know several time All Star yeah. closer, and you know lights out the end of the Angels bullpen until he's, he's just yeah. Not he was LeBron James in baseball for a long time. Yeah, and he's just yeah. and he's you know he when they come down they realize that they're there to do one job, and his his job is different than the rest of the team because he's coming down to I need to you know I need to figure out how to locate my fastball. It's almost spring training for him. I need to I need to work on this stuff. So he's not necessarily looking to. Um, necessarily get wins or get results as much as he needs to work on himself and make sure he knows he's going through his right mechanics and that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit different, but at the same time, it like he when they come down, they realize they're part of this team and they're part of this, you know the the culture and stuff like that. So they're here to help, and they they're all really great guys about it. Most of the guys when they come down their last day, they'll buy a big spread for the team too. They buy a nice nice dinner for everybody, so everybody gets like Cheesecake Factory or something yeah. like that. On you know, and the major league guy just picks up the tab for it because. That's just kind of baseball. That's culture. what you do. So, yeah. Hold up. Do we have one of those days coming up this week? <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone needs to report on this. <laughs> yeah, someone needs to be there. <laughs> you know, I, we're getting, I don't know when it will happen, but we're getting Garrett Richards, the one of the Angels' best pitchers. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to join us tomorrow, Wednesday. So that'll, when he comes down, we, yeah, he might might get some red iguana in the clubhouse. I've seen that before. Yeah, I think it's always good when there's a little leftovers for, for the front office staff. I'm down with that. <laughs> hey, don't be mad if you see me lurking around the stadium. <laughs> good for you, Todd. So, yeah, good for you, Todd. Just know I'm there. I, I'm just going to take my plate and leave. I'll bring my own plate. <laughs> Anytime. You know you're always welcome. <laughs> no, I think the theme song in the locker room should be Kendrick Lamar Humble. Yes. That should be your guys' theme song. So when everybody comes down from the major leagues, they know, be humble. It's true. You have. To, I mean, that's a big. That's you have to be because if you come down and it happens to guys, even the best of guys, because they come down and they, you know, they're like, you know, they were right there. They got that taste, and you can see sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's not a day, but sometimes it's a couple of days, and you can see it, it, it affects guys that they they get in their head about it, and they, you know, they're not they're trying to hit a home run on every pitch because they need to show that they need to get back up and. So they're overthinking their, their yeah, themselves. Yeah, because they got to. Yeah, if I you know if I hit three home runs this week, I'm going to be back in the big leagues, and that's not. And that's the not coaches what are looking the for steady contact yeah. in the way that their first step off. Exactly. The, yeah. That's not the game that they normally play. You know, if it was a home run hitter, that's a different deal, yeah. I guess. But you know, it's a guy that bunts for hits and stuff like that. Like we, they're not looking for him to do that. They're looking for him to be the best version of him. And so it it can be it can be something that'll. that'll That'll mess with guys' heads and stuff. So that's, that's definitely a huge challenge for the players as they go throughout the season. But um, I, I talk about our coaching staff a couple times, but they're they're just so good. We have such a good coaching staff that um, it doesn't it doesn't last for very long. The guys get back in in the right headspace pretty quickly. And and part and of that's the continuity of the Angels and having Mike Sosha there for almost twenty mm-hmm. years going on at this point. Yeah, and so that's you know, and our coaching staff knows what Mike Sosha wants to do. So yeah. we've had. We've stolen more bases than any other team in our league has attempted this year because that, that's what Mike, that's what Social wants. Social yeah. wants guys that can put the ball on, in play, make contact, steal bases. California you know, baseball. Yeah. Go first to third, bunt for a hit, you know, bunt a guy over, that kind of stuff. So that's stuff that we do. So that's the game plan for the Bs is 
you got to learn how to do this stuff. So, like, if you can't get up there and, you know, guys first and second with nobody out, and if you can't bunt them over to second and third and sacrifice that hit, then that, that they don't need you. That's that's part of their game plan. If you're going to go out there and try and hit a three-run home run, if that's not your game, they don't want that in the big leagues. They want, they want somebody that knows what they're doing and can play into that game plan. Here's the thing. If you guys are looking for somebody to steal bases, Call me because oh, I played softball like, <laughs> what was it, Sasha, like two months ago? I got hurt, but I was still in bases left and right. I was in there, and we won. You got any tips for us? Just run. Just run. Just go. <laughs> Just run faster. <laughs> Just run fast. Keep going. Just so the, don't stop. So the first base coach always says when you get there, it's like, just run fast. Take a second. Go. That's all you do. I'm still convinced <laughs> that Ricky Henderson is responsible for teams like, of course, the A's and the Angels and the Dodgers and them always stealing bases because that was the culture of young kids and spectators mm-hmm. for most of the time in the 80s, early, mid, late 90s yeah. was him. Guys grow up on seeing what you know what's popular in their yeah. sport and then they emulate that when they get there. I think you see that. And you, but you don't see it on um, East Coast baseball. You don't see the base stealing the same as you do on the West Coast. No, and it's definitely gone away. It's, the, yeah. it's not an emphasis as much in the big leagues. The Angels are one of the few teams that are really – that you know, that's really a point of emphasis. Still, a lot of teams have gone away from that. They're afraid of running themselves out of outs. Oh, and the fans get excited when you see that. Oh, yes. the, the entire stadium erupts. Yes, it's a great, it's a great brand of baseball. It's it's fun to watch. I mean, we we've run ourselves out of some games where we've tried to steal some bases and got thrown out, or you know, we try and take the extra base and it doesn't work out. And we've won us won ourselves a lot more games where we've you know we haven't had as many hits or something, but we manufacture a run. We had a game last homestand where uh, our our guy was on first. He went to steal second, hit and run situation, and he scored from first on a little ground ball single, which is not something you really ever do. And he just put his head down and ran like crazy. And it was the winning run. It was a three to two baseball game, and that made the whole difference. It's you know, it's it's being aggressive and putting the the uh, onus back on the defensive team that you're going to have to make every play. You're going to put that ball right in the catcher's mitt, or you're not going to get me because I'm going to run all the time. So they that, have a lot of a fun way to play. They have a lot of weird statistics on running in baseball it, that's correct where yeah baseball is all statistics <laughs> yeah yeah but it's i forget i shouldn't even brought it up because i don't remember exactly how they do it but there's like two or three different types of speed in baseball oh yeah 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 i mean you've got you've got sprint speed you've got you got base speed you've got you know um your your home to first speed your yeah. first to third speed all that kind of stuff is yeah i mean baseball is if there's any game that is based on statistics and things like that i mean you see that now in the major leagues where they break it down and they can tell you what his top speed was to the you know tenth of a mile per hour and how quickly he rounded the bases and that kind of stuff. It's is a great. I think it's a really interesting time to be in baseball because you see so much changing all the time, which I think is a lot of fun. So before the bees get to the playoffs, I'm going to speak it into I like existence. The positivity. Yes. I'm going to speak it into existence. Let's do it. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the season. The uh, final games that you guys have for the regular season. Cool. So yeah, we get back on Friday. So we're we're in Tacoma right now. We got a four game series with Fresno Friday through Monday. So we come home Friday night. It's fan appreciation night. We got fireworks after the game. Six thirty five start. Um, they do lots of cool giveaways on fan appreciation night. Um, we've got baseball card giveaways for the first I think two thousand people that come in through the doors. Um, Saturday night seven o'clock. Sunday night seven o'clock, and then. Labor Day is the last day of the regular season, so everybody plays a day game. So we got a noon game, um, 
and hopefully by then you know we're we're uh, we're doing the uh, champagne bath in the in in the clubhouse. But it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a really busy week in the last season of the year. Our last series of the year always turns out a lot of people as everybody tries to get their baseball fix in before we go away for the winter. So it'll be it'll be really good crowds, which makes for a really good atmosphere at the park. Again, if you see Sasha and I in the background during the champagne bath. <laughs> Don't trip. Not me. <laughs> they won't friend. let me in. Don't trip. <laughs> so uh, one thing I do want to know about, how do you, because I was talking to my friend the other day and like, oh, you should take your kids to the bees game. They have so much stuff mm-hmm. for you guys to do. Uh, how do you get to uh, run the bases? Is that something that you sign up for? Run or? the bases after the game? Yeah. We do that on every, Friday and Saturday nights. Kids okay. run the bases. No no cost or anything. You just got to go down on the first baseline. They start a line um, in the stands. And bring them on there. So that's every Friday and Saturday night they do the the Baked Bear post game kids run. Why do you guys feel that it's necessary to do so much for the kids? It's it's great, but like whose idea was it to be like, hey, we should do all this for um, the kids? You know, it's a good question. I I think baseball has always generally been it's been such a family it's a family sport, and definitely minor league baseball is really gears towards family. Salt Lake City really gears towards family, so we you know we steer into that a little bit more. Um, we don't do as many wacky promotions as you see. You know, some minor league teams try and get the headlines stuff. That's not really our bag. We just try and make it a you know a nice, affordable, fun place for kids to go. So um, we're always trying to look at stuff like that. So we, you know, we did last week. We did Princess Night, and we had a bunch of people you know uh, dressed as Disney princesses that came, and I brought my two little girls, <laughs> and they got photos and autographs of you know with uh, Moana and Elsa, and you know, so you try and do stuff like that, and I think that. When you when you bring the kids and they have a love for baseball and they start to love coming in the ballpark, that brings you more fans. That brings more baseball fans. That's good for baseball. It's good for the bees. That's good for that's good for everything. So um, it's it's something we've always tried to do. So I was laughing because Sasha and I were in the Disney <laughs> store <laughs> a couple months back and he was taking pictures with a bunch of princess. Yeah, I might have to do items. this, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Don't delete that part either. We're gonna keep that in there. Any chance we can get Brittany Johnson to throw out a first pitch next year? Nah, I'm yeah. good. So um, what, what day? Let's go. No, so we're gonna. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna get, as soon as so we get done, I'm gonna email wanna, you the schedule. Yes, yes. No, gonna, so I want to know stuff. the schedule's not out for next year. <laughs> I, I've heard about all your softball skills. Let's go. Uh, just put me put in there your to run name the bases. on it, Brittany Johnson. <laughs> you guys will have you no one else that showing up to the Johnson. <laughs> if you guys want to be the team with the least amount of fans. If that's what you're going for, then I'll do it. No one wants to see that. No, we we, <laughs> we all need to see this. Yeah, I, I think we need to make it happen. Nobody, yeah. nobody's not going to turn come because you're throwing the first pitch. Twitter, gonna, you'll get a jersey. Yeah. Twitter will appreciate this. <laughs> I don't, I don't think. Just so. don't fifty cent it. You'll be no, fine. All right, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> don't fifty cent it. That's going to be the title for the podcast. <laughs> um, but I want to know more about you. Okay. Um. I see you around, you know, kind of talk for a second here and there, but um, more about you. How did you get into the role, the job that you're doing now? And, you know, what exactly do you do? That's a, okay, so let's start from, I'll start for how I got here. Um, I, went, I graduated from Utah State. Um, I had been doing, I, I was a big college basketball fan. I've been writing, doing like some college basketball blogs. The Deseret News laid off half their staff back in 2010 or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But they laid off their Utah State sports writer. Um, and I knew him from doing a few games back and forth. And he said, hey, you know, contact the Deseret News. They're going to need somebody to fill in for a week or two while they figure this out. I said, okay, no problem. So I emailed him. They're like, yeah, 
you don't have any experience, but we'll figure it out. You know, you can do a story this week, and we'll figure it out. I did that for four football and basketball seasons freelance um, just to keep going because I, I just found so much love for it. Um, in that meantime, I, I did an internship with the Bees back in 2011, um, and I've always, you know, I'm a Utah Salt Lake City native. My parents had season tickets to the Buzz in 1994 when they first came, so I always had a huge love for the ballpark, so that was a dream come true. And so then I just did literally anything I could think of to stay around these sports, you know, little group in Utah. There's, you know, there's only so many places you can go here. There's the Jazz, there's Real. There's the colleges and there's the bees. That's you know that's there's there's only so many ways to go. But so, once you're in, and you're so in. many jobs. Yeah. yeah. So that you just I just had to wait. So I I you know I freelanced for a long time. I was you know I was working uh, the before the bees hired me back in uh, winter of 2014. I was working in the warehouse from 5 a.m. to 3 p.m. and I was going covering college basketball and Logan driving from Salt Lake to Logan, covering wow. a game till like you know 10 or 11 o'clock driving back home. And then getting up and doing it the next day because that's just what you have to do. Doing to, work. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's, putting in that work. It's it's a very small, you know, it's a small pond. So you gotta you gotta just uh, you gotta put in that work. So they hired me in 2014. I've been there since. So my day to day job, um, one of the best things about it is it's never it's it's got the basic bones every day, but it's never the same job twice. So um, I do all of our media relations. I do all of our uh, social media. I do all of our. Uh, website. I do all of our media relations. Did I hear you say that one? I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I do our community relations. I do our public relations. So it's a little bit of everything. So you know, it's there's basics. I got to prepare notes for the media for the game and for the staff and do stats. But then it's you know, I, I do the social media. But um, you know, sometimes it's doing a big community event and we're doing a big pink night and we're raising a ton of money for Huntsman Cancer or we're we're bringing uh, you came when Sons of Baseball was there and we're, we're bringing a kid that. You know, has a life-threatening illness or disability, and he gets to come and have a great experience at the game. And so, you do something like that. Some days it's you know, some days it's set up media interviews for the players. Some days it's come do a podcast. Like it's just whatever I can do to you know publicize the team and be there for the team. So, um, it's a lot of fun. I get to keep keep my hand in a lot of things. I get to in the off season, like me and the marketing and promotions guys go over. You know, what do we want twenty eighteen to look like? What you know, do we want to do Princess Night again? Do we want to you know? Is the kids run still something that people want to come out to do? So we get to do that all off season, and so that's one of the great parts about minor league baseball. It's a small staff, which means you know I, I haven't taken a day off since. Uh, that's not true. I haven't. I've taken three days off since the season started, and that was because I my wife had a kid, so I had to take three days off while we were on the road. But then once the team got back, I had to get back to work. So, um, it's crazy in that way. It's 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 a it's a real grind, but it's also like the greatest thing because I get to be a part of all of it. You know, the bees are I'm part of the bees, the bees are part of me. So that's a lot of fun. I don't know if you get that at most jobs. Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't I wouldn't love most jobs, I don't think. <laughs> that's pretty dope. But how did you like the transition? Like you said you were doing a lot of writing. You wanted mm-hmm. to write about sports. Do you ever miss it now that you're, you know, in a different avenue? Yeah, a little bit. I, I like telling the stories. I, you know, and I really shout out to the Desert News because I really appreciate my time there. And they were, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's, that's a great, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun doing that. But um, that's not, <laughs> print journalism is not, it, not a burgeoning market right now. So it was definitely <laughs> like, I'm going to have to find somewhere else to, you know, try and make my talents work if I'm going to get a long-term career out of it. Um, so it's different. I still, I still get to, you know, tell the stories of some of the players, but it, 
is different. I have, you know, interns write stories for our game program and I get to edit those down and I get to, you know, tell the stories through social media and in different ways and, you know, set up interviews and, you know, pitch media, you know, hey, this guy's got a good story. You should come talk to him. So I don't, maybe I don't do the actual interview, but I also find out what the interesting thing is and then let somebody know so then they can uncover that story um, and, tell, and tell that story for people. So it's different. It's, you know, the, the jobs are very similar, but they're, mm-hmm. it's, they're also like, you know, it's, it's the mirror image. It, it's the same job, but it's, you know, everything's kind of reversed. I'm trying to help the media instead of, you know, asking for help, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it's different, but it's, it's, this is, don't tell anybody, this is the greatest job in the world. Don't, I hope nobody <laughs> ever takes it from me. Um, don't miss out. Don't, don't yeah. ever take vacation. Yeah, no. Because somebody will be there. <laughs> that's pretty much been my motto for, <laughs> For four years now, don't yeah, can't can't step away. I'm afraid somebody will take my take my job away from me. That was when I was at the Desert News. They were, they were like, "You want to come back this year?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll come back this year because somebody else is going to do it if I don't." Yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll come back and freelance for another year until until I can find something that works full time. So yeah, don't ever get comfortable because somebody will be in there re- ready to take your spot. Yeah, there's I mean there's there's thousands of people that want to work in sports, and it's just such a small industry. So. Um, if anybody's listening to this and wondering, like, what do I got to do to work in sports? It's like work gotta, harder than everyone else. You got to work. You got to work your tail off in order to keep it clean, right? Yeah. And you just got to be in the right place in the right time. I, was, I mean, that was half of my thing. I uh, just uh, the personal story about me. I was interviewing for the bees job, um, and they called me and said, you know, we're gonna do the final interview. Was, I think it was like a Friday. And we're gonna do the final interview on Monday. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm stressed out because this is, you know, this is what I want, and I'm. I'm, you know, I'm working three jobs and I'm doing all this stuff. And my wife came home and told me she was pregnant. And I was about to like, I just about had an aneurysm. Because I was like, <laughs> I was like it, it's either it's either now or never. Because like, if I don't get this job, like I got to, you know, I got to go get a real adult job. I can't work three jobs with a kid. So, yeah. um, so you just got to be in the right place at the right time. Because if that happened, you know, if they try to interview me three weeks later, I don't know that I, I you know, I might have found another job. I, I might have gone somewhere else. You know, I have the kid a year early. I'm definitely like never never doing it so you get you got to get lucky and you got to you got to work your butt off that's the only two the only two tips i can ever give anybody and wrapping up here when i moved to salt lake in 2001 Mm -hmm. i would have said and i did say salt lake's not big enough for a major league baseball Mm -hmm. team in 2017 i say all the time it's time to bring a major league baseball team to salt lake city i think it's getting close darn i think i think it's getting close i think uh you know the one thing i hear a lot of people say is it's not there's not enough businesses in Salt Lake. There's not enough, you know, corporate sponsorship money or, you know, sweet people, that kind of stuff. But I think the way you're seeing, you know, uh, that the uh, Silicon Slopes and Utah, Utah County starting to explode. Yep. I don't think you're. The oil and natural gas I don't think you're that far. Around. I don't think yeah. you're that far away. I think it's 10, 20, you know, it might be 10, 20, 30 years. But you I think, think it's. that long? Yeah, I don't, I mean. You must have the inside scoop. I don't have any inside scoop. I actually wonder that all the time. But they you know they talk about they you know the major leagues have been talking about expansion it comes up every oh, once so in a while. I'm going to be 90 when this happens. <laughs> Man. That that's my goal is to hold down it. this job until the major leagues come and then and then take that spot. But I I hope you're right. I hope it's not I hope it's not very far away. I keep thinking, you know, every time I see I I, I literally have no insight in scoop. On it, we should but, take the Oakland A's. Yeah, every time I see the A's or the Rays, you know, yeah. they, and they have another fight about their state Arizona or you know uh Commissioner Manfred was talking about, you know, we're going to expand, and they people come out the list, and it's, you know, it's Montreal and Mexico City and Nashville and Charlotte, and you know, those are all towns that could probably hold the Portland, team. Yeah. And it's like, 
you know, I, I think we're, I don't think we're that far away from Portland and Charlotte and Nashville. I think we can I mean, Denver does great, them. and that place is much more separated than Salt Lake Valley is. Yeah, and, the, and they have the same weather challenges and the yeah. same, you know, altitude is a huge factor in yeah. baseball, which we would also have. But the, you know, Team the Rockies have been able to figure it yeah. out. So, well, I wish you guys luck. Let's I, do it. I can't wait for you guys to hold the cup and uh, put up a flag next to the Pac-12 champions of the University of Utah. Let's do it. Where can we find you guys on social media? It's at Solid Bees on Twitter, um, at Solid Bees on Instagram, and Solid Bees on Facebook. It's pretty pretty basic. SLBs.com is the website. So you can get tickets and web, there's you know, stories about the team and all that kind of stuff. I got a halo, I level up every time I got say so, shoot on payroll, looking like Pancho, looking like Pedro, when they shoot from Tarzan, 10 if a day go grow when I say grow, come full Kenny with the mic's touch, ain't no penny that I don't touch, all my enemy bite on dust, ain't no talking when it's fatal, having hard I can't tell, Wait. half of y'all might need hell, Wait. I might fall in Rodale, bitch. I might ball and I strip, I might call a full real, all I ask go unveil, wind blow.